Hello friends, welcome to 100 Degrees Below Freezing, a story and devotional podcast where we share the experiences we've had while following Jesus in the Alaskan bush. Sometimes odd, sometimes funny, sometimes painful, but always in light of Jesus. Grab something warm and join us in the adventure. Episode 11, If Only the Pilot Would Come. Well, it's been a little while since uh, we've recorded an episode, and I've heard from a couple of people that you've been anxious to find out. You obviously know that we survived this flood event, but you've been curious to want to know what happened. So let's continue with the flood story. No planes coming. That was the statement my wife made to me the night uh, that my world went into chaos. The floodwaters surrounded the earthen dike that surrounded the airfield in which my wife and three children were trapped. I couldn't get to them, and they couldn't get to me. The commercial airlines would be of no help to them or any of the 80 elders, women, and children that were trapped there. I told Michelle to get on the phone and call any of the missionaries that we knew that had planes. She, she said she would and hung up. The next several hours were a blur. I don't remember specifics of what happened until I got a phone call from a Galena resident who happened to have been out of town when the flood took place. He said that the relief organization Samaritan's Purse, along with Mission Aviation and Repair Center in Soldotna, Alaska, had heard of our need and wanted to know if we really were asking for help. I was near the city manager and mayor and began to share with them what was being offered. Three larger aircrafts that the missionaries owned and several individual planes were available to begin a rapid evacuation. They weren't asking who was going to pay for it, They were just asking if the village wanted it. Both community leaders unequivocally said yes, send the planes. It was around that time that I heard that two small aircrafts had departed out of Wasilla with plans to pick up my family and another. Help was finally on the way. The jet drive boats began to rapidly transport anyone stuck on Newtown side over to the airfield and the first plane arrived, loaded, and shared news that they were committed to continue flights until everyone who wanted to leave was gone. There was great concern that the water level, which was still rising, was going to breach the dike. The tragedy of Katrina and the failing of the dikes there was still fresh on everybody's memory. Rumors began to circulate around town that the airfield was beginning to flood. It was, of course, completely unfounded, but it did begin to cause concern for the incoming pilots. Several of the pilots began making a shorter run over to the village of Ruby with passengers instead of the much longer flight to Fairbanks. They were running low on fuel and were getting tired and would need to stop flying soon. I made the hard decision to get on the last flight. It was hard because I would have to leave my two dogs in Galena, as there was no way we were going to trade the, the valuable space that a person could be sitting in for a dog kennel. I did not know what was going to happen, but I left them in the care of the city manager, boarded the last plane, and flew to Fairbanks. It was about five in the morning when I landed, and I had been up for nearly 24 hours. Shell and the kids had been taken over to a friend's house, and I joined them there. We had scarcely been apart for 16 hours, but the emotional weight of those hours was exhausting. I collapsed into the bed and slept an uneasy three to four hours, but I couldn't stand it any longer. I had to do something. I got up and I started praying, praying for my brother, church members, and friends who were still on the ground in Galena. 
It was also then that I realized that my hands had sustained some kind of chemical burn from the fuels and other things that were floating in the water. My skin was cracking and peeling off and every joint ached. We were graciously allowed to set up a temporary evacuation shelter at Fairhill Community Church of God. We were able to get space set up for three other couples and families in the school there as well. Then the tense wait began. Communication from within Galena had crawled to nothing. Speculations abounded. The state of Alaska finally decided that it was an actual emergency and ordered a military plane in to evacuate any remaining individuals who wanted to leave. It ended up being mostly dogs and cats, but we were grateful because we had our two dogs with us again. My brother managed to get his generator that had been completely submerged running and was able to set up their satellite internet so that he could give a once-a-day briefing on the goings-on in Galena. Everything was flooded to the point that boats could be driven down every street without worry. Almost every home and town had water in it. The water seemed to reach its peak depth on Wednesday afternoon of that week. Finally, Thursday evening, the ice jam gave way and the water began to drop. By the weekend, the river, which at its peak was 20 miles wide, finally dropped back into its banks, leaving icebergs wherever they had been happening to be floating, in the roads, on top of submerged vehicles. Houses had floated or been pushed off of their foundations, and several cabins were now blocking main roads. I managed to get back into Galena one week from when I left, and I was utterly speechless at what I saw. River silt mud everywhere, totaled vehicles, and growing piles of trash as residents began to pull apart their waterlogged homes and belongings. Our home and shop sustained significant damage. The house had about 22 inches of water in it, and the shop and entry had right at four feet. Our new woodshed that I had finished a couple of weeks before the flood had moved to the other side of our driveway. Fuel tanks and barrels were scattered everywhere. Uncut firewood logs were tangled up in the trees as well, as scattered as far as you cared to walk. It was a gigantic mess. But as we bemoaned our physical circumstances, we marveled at the fact that there was zero loss of life. None. The following months were a blur of physical labor. We only missed two Sundays of church before starting back. The church building sustained minimal damage and was quickly able to be used again. We began to put out an appeal for volunteer teams to come. And by early July, the first team, a youth group from Pineville, Louisiana, came and began giving aid. Over the course of the next 13 weeks, Galena Bible Church brought 243 volunteers who worked in 45 homes in Galena. It was incredible. Our volunteers, along with the Methodist Disaster Relief Team that came at the bidding of FEMA, were able to essentially rebuild Galena before the winter snow flew. I learned so much from all that time. I often say that uh, I learned so much in 24 hours that I hope I never have to use again. But one illustration has stuck with me. What if the pilots had not come? What if when I heard they were coming, I just decided to pretend like there was no flood happening? It's May. We should be planting garden starts and preparing for summer fishing. That would have been foolish as the water rose around my feet. Or what if, when I heard that the pilots were coming, I said, planes? That's a great idea. I should build a plane. Uh, I, I need to get out of here. 
I've got two by fours and duct tape. I'm pretty resourceful. I should be able to do this no problem. Equally as ridiculous, right? What good is a plane that won't take me where I need to go and me as a pilot who has no idea how to fly a plane? But finally, what if I braved all the dangers of getting from one side of town to the other only to find out that the pilot wasn't coming? Does it matter how brave or earnest I was in the journey? Do I have any bragging rights? No, if the pilot doesn't come, I might as well have just stayed home and planted, planned where my guarding was going to be placed that year. Our faith never rests upon ourselves. If our journey through life is filled with peril and hardship, or if it is an easy Sunday drive, ultimately our only hope is in the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. The gospel helps us see that, yes, we have to get to the airport by faith, but our faith rests not in our ability to save ourselves, but rather on the faithfulness of Christ to save us. How about you? Are you willfully ignoring the reality that your sin is swallowing you alive? Or are you trying to build your own escape mechanism by your own strength, like my duct tape airplane? Today, would you hear the joyful words that a Savior has come and is coming again? He's ransomed you from your sin. He's paid the penalty of your sin upon the cross and by faith is offering you an eternal relationship with him. Would you listen to the call of a Savior that is here to take you home if only you would repent and believe his good news? Yes, friends, there is a pilot and he's coming. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of 100 Degrees Below Freezing. To you, friends, I say, stay warm and never stop needing Jesus. 